Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. I want to talk with you for a few minutes tonight about, about our country. I, I'm heartbroken for America, and it's not just America. Of course, the, all over the world, the economies are being closed down. Uh, but our country, here in America, we're, we're facing unprecedented challenges. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to come, the, the whole reason I wanted to come down here was just to let, just to be with your pastor and to let him know that to our pastor, my pastor, and let him know that, that, that we stand with him, we love him, we're praying for him, and that we, we want to be an encouragement to him in any way that he can as, as you and, and your church and churches all across California and all across America are trying to, to navigate these uncharted waters. We're in the midst of a deadly virus that shut down the world. It's destroyed our economy. We're experiencing mass demonstrations, rioting, looting, violence. Some governors uh, have, are even issuing orders, not just California, other places as well, to restrict people from exercising their constitutional right to worship God according to the dictates of their conscience. Recently, a national poll was released showing that 80% of us believe that things are out of control. 80% of people in America say things are out of control in our country. Yet we understand that it may be out of control to us, but it's not out of control to God. God is never out of control. Now, we're right to be burdened, we're right to be heartbroken, but we should not be in despair and without hope. We may not have the answers, but God always does. No matter how bad things look, we know that God always wins. We have many problems in our country, but all of our problems have one root source, and that is sin. We, we, people say we have these racial issues. We, know we, have, we have a sin issue. We have a sin problem. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our country has tremendous problems, challenges. They need to be addressed. But until we deal with the root, the weeds just keep coming back. Racism is sin. All brutality, including by the police, is sin. Looting, stealing, burning down buildings is sin. Anarchy is sin. Our world has a sin problem. You see, we were born with sinful hearts, and the entire world has this problem. We were not born pure and innocent and, and, uh, and have, have been educated or been corrupted into sinlessness. That's backwards. We were born sinful, and we have to learn to live right. We're not born pure. We're born sinful. Psalm 51.3, the Bible says, I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. We have personal sins. We have national sins, and sin is always destructive. It destroys individuals, it destroys nations, and the grace of God is what we need in our time uh, today. Now, as I was thinking about this recently and praying about our country, I was, I, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I was listening to a message, uh, one of your messages, our pastor was preaching, and we were not, we, the, we were in Florida at the time, a few months ago, and he made the statement, he said, I, he said, my heart is broken for America, and God really spoke to me through that, and my heart, Pastor Thompson said, my heart is broken for our country. And it was a few months ago. We, we were we were it was a it was a uh, uh, we were watching on on, on on internet. My heart is broken for our country. And I thought about that. And I prayed about it, and I realized, you know what? What do we need in America? There's two things that we need. Um, we need forgiveness, and we need healing. 
We need forgiveness and we need healing. And it dawned on me that, you know, God put a verse in the Bible that said, when you need forgiveness and when you need healing, here's what I want you to do. God has not left us without hope. Our hope, though, is not in the politicians. It's not in the economy. It's not in our own wisdom. America's only hope is God. So what is God's formula for healing the nation? Look, if you would, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This, this sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, it's right out of the Bible. Either it's true or it's not. And like Pastor said this morning, if it's not true, we might as well just wrap it up and get on the boat and take off. Let's, let's go fishing. I mean, either the Bible's true, we can trust the Word of God, the promises of God, or we cannot. And I believe we can. I know we can. I've been doing it for 50 years. I know we can. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, God says, I'm going to tell you what the formula is. When you need those two things, when you need forgiveness and when you need healing in your land, here's what I want you to do. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, notice it begins with God's people. It's not in, it's not in, it's not in, it's not in the White House, in the church house. It's not politicians, it's us. If my people, God's people, which are called by my name, shall do three things. Number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. Let's make that four things. God just added another one. <clears throat> I see that when I read the Bible. Four things. He said, if you'll do four things, then here's what I'll do for you. I'll give you forgiveness and I'll give you healing. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, number one. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. Number four, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I, God said, then I'll do three things. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Number one, I will hear from heaven. Number two, I will forgive their sins. Number three, I will heal their land. My friend, there's hope. What do we do for America? What do we do for our world, for our country? We simply obey the Bible. Here's what God said. It seems simple, but I'm telling you, if this won't work, I don't know if anything else it will work. What we're doing now is not working. Here's what God says. God's formula for healing the nation. My people will do four things. Number one, if they will humble themselves. The word humble there means to be, to be subdued, to be brought down, to be low, to be under, to be brought into subjection. You see, we have a pride problem, and God hates pride. Proverbs 11:2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. With the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 6 says, There are six things God hates. Yea, these six things doth God hate, Proverbs 6. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. And God begins to name those six things that he hates. Number one on the list is pride. These six things does God hate. Number one is pride. Pride is horrible. It will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will destroy our church. It will destroy our country. Uh, pride. Why does God hate pride so much? Because Proverbs 13.10 tells us, Only by pride cometh contention. It's horrible. And we need to understand and realize that we've got a problem with it as well. We look outside and we say, you know, it's other people. No, 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 it's us. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. We need to understand that, that we cannot just simply look around the world and say, and look at other people and say, well, it's those on the outside. No, God says, my people, which are called by my name, number one, you've got to humble yourself. God's people need to humble ourselves. We need to admit that we have a pride problem. It's not just the lost that have this problem. Our text is not written to the unsaved. It's written to us. God says, my, you, want your, you want your country healed? You want forgiveness? Then first of all, God's people are going to have to humble themselves. We have to admit that we're part of the problem. It's so easy for us just to look around at everybody else and say it's them. It's the government. It's the governor. It's the mayors. It's the politicians. No, it's us. We hold the key here. God said, number one, I want my people to humble themselves. Number two, pray. 
The word pray simply means to intercede. All over America, people are taking the knee. It's become fashionable to take the knee. The problem is they're bowing to the wrong gods, little g gods. All across America, people are saying, um, look, at, look at me, I'm taking a knee. I was, I, I, I was surprised to see half of our Congress a few, few weeks ago take a knee and take a knee. And for, and for nine minutes, uh, as a photo op, put on some, some, uh, some garment from Africa and, and take a knee. And bow there for, not, for nine minutes to take a knee. To say, look at us. Look at how politically correct we are. Look at how much we care. Taking a knee to the wrong God. To be honest with you, when I watched that, and I saw Nancy and Chuck there for nine minutes, I thought, good night. I wonder if they're ever going to be able to get up. I mean, how do you get up after that? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm 70 years old, and I'm not as old as them. I don't think I could kneel for nine, nine minutes and then get back up without help. We're bowing to the wrong gods. It's, it's, it's political grandstanding. It's, it's saying, look how woke I am. Look how, look how caring I am because I, I bow the knee. We do need to bow the knee, but there's only one person, one entity, one, one that we ever bow the knee to, and that's God. Would you agree with that? We don't bow the knee to anybody. We don't bow and pray to anybody. We pray only to God. We bow the knee to God only. Every person in this congregation, not room, <laughs> every person in this crowd, I think would agree with that. As God's people, we bow the knee to God only. Would you agree with that? Then let me ask you a question. When was the last time you did? How often do we? I mean, we look at the politicians bowing the knee and getting the photo op, and we think it's disgusting, but we don't bow the knee. We're the only ones who have the cure here. God says, I want my people to humble themselves. I want you to admit that you're part of the problem. I want you to begin to pray. We need to bow the knee. We need to pray all over America. We need to pray. On March 30th, 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, President Lincoln called upon all Americans to observe what he called a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. Here's what he said. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own, intoxicated with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. We are too proud to pray to the God that made us. You might say, Brother Dwight, what can I do? I mean, I'm just me. What can I do? I, I get it. I understand. I'm just me. I, I, what can I do? I mean, I... I I feel that way oftentimes. Lord, what can I do? God says, you can pray. You can pray. You can bow the knee. You can pray. Pray one for another. The Bible says that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. May I suggest that you do something that, again, that my wife and I did, I think, in that same message when your pastor said, our pastor said, our, our, uh, my heart is broken for our country. He mentioned fasting one day a week. I believe he mentioned Fridays. And that, and that Sunday, my wife and I said, we're going to do that. We're, 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 going, we're with him on this. And so one day a week for fasting and prayer for America. Humble yourself. Pray. So simple. 
Does your land need forgiveness? Does your land need healing? God says, I want you to follow this formula. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to pray. Number three, seek my face. The word seek means to desire, to request, to intensely desire God. I, I believe we've never had a greater opportunity in, in our lifetime to see worldwide revival. I mean, I'm telling you, this thing, we could, we could have worldwide revival. We are set up for it. But it must begin with God's people. Open your Bible. to Put a marker here in 2 Chronicles. Go over to Isaiah 59, if you would, please. And we're going to read just a couple of more verses. In Isaiah chapter 59, I want, to see a, I want you to see a period of time which was described by Isaiah. And I believe we're living in a day that is very much uh, like this day. In Isaiah chapter 59, uh, Isaiah is, is describing the day in which, which Israel was living. Isaiah 59, 14 says, Judgment, doesn't this turn like, sound like America? Judgment is turned away backwards. Justice standeth afar off. Truth is fallen in the street. Equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth. He that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it and displeased him that there was no judgment. Now let's stop right there. God says, truth was fallen in the street. If you were doing the right thing, you, were, you, you, made your, you, you, were, you put yourself in, in, in peril by doing the right thing. All of a sudden, right is wrong and wrong is right. And, uh, and everybody's concerned about being, you know, making sure that they're, they're accepted by whatever woke crowd is, whatever wokeness is that day. And, and it's like the whole thing's falling apart. And you know what God said? Isaiah said this. Listen to this again. Isaiah 59, verse 15. Last part of the verse, it displeased him that there was no judgment. Would you agree that God is unhappy when truth is being trampled in the streets? God doesn't like it. It displeased him. God is displeased with rioting, with looting, with brutality, with discrimination. God doesn't want anybody discriminated against. We are all created in the image of God. We are all made of one blood. God, God, God is displeased when he sees the discrimination in our country. He is displeased when he sees the, the looting, the rioting, the, the, uh, the, the, the anarchy. He is displeased with it. But God is displeased. But would you, let me ask you a question. Do you think God is, God is surprised? Do you think God says, wow, I didn't see that coming. Man, look what happened. I did, wow, I'm, I'm not happy about it. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't think, I, did, I just didn't see it coming. God is not surprised by it. God does not look down at our country and say, man, I am surprised at what happened. He does say I'm displeased with sin. But he's not surprised by it. So I wonder what God would be surprised by. Would you look at Isaiah 59? Would you read the next verse? Verse 15 says, it displeased him. That there was no judgment and he saw that there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor God said man I'm surprised people aren't praying I'm not surprised about sin I'm surprised people aren't praying I mean truth is falling in the street and my people aren't praying I mean equity cannot enter he that departed from evil makes himself a prey. Uh, the, the, a lot of bad stuff is going on. I'm not surprised by that. 
I'm surprised that people aren't praying. I really wonder if today God would say, I'm really surprised that the people of liberty are not doing more prayer. I'm surprised that our pastor stands up and preaches like he did this morning, pleading with people to pray. And, and so few people are, are really taking it to heart. He didn't mention it this morning when he talked about Peter being delivered by the, by the prayers of God's people. But I'm telling you, you need to be praying for your pastor, for our leaders, our church leaders, for our, our, our country's leaders. We need to be praying for him. We need to be praying for our deacons, for our staff, for those that are making the decisions that are going to guide the direction of our school. I think God is surprised. God's probably surprised the most at me. Probably says, you know, Dwight, <laughs> you, not, you knucklehead, you're 70 years old, man. Saved you when you were 20. You've been doing this for 50 years. Why aren't you praying more? You know, you know what needs to be done. God said, I'm surprised there was no intercessor. What do we do? God said, I'm going to tell you what to do if your land needs healing and forgiveness. Number one, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to admit, stop pointing your finger at everybody else and admit that I'm part of the problem. Maybe I don't know, what, I don't know exactly how I'm part of the problem, but I'm not going to spend my life pointing to everybody else saying, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem. God says, my people need to humble themselves. We need to look in the mirror and say, God, is there something in my life that needs to change? When we humble ourselves, you know what we do? We begin to pray. And when we pray, we seek his face. And then we come to the last one. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14, where God goes on to say, and turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways. That simply means to come back to God and forsake everything that's displeasing to God. Simply to say, God, is there anything in my life that you want changed? I'm concerned enough about my country. I'm concerned enough about our world. I'm concerned about enough about what I see around, around us. I said, Lord, I, is there something in my life that I need to change? Some attitudes, perhaps. Whatever it might be. America is in the valley of decision. We have two choices, revival or destruction. But how do we get in this position? I, I believe we're seeing the fruit of decades of corrupt politicians, compromising preachers, and complacent Christians. I really do. I think we, I think we, you go, again, go through the Old Testament. We don't have the time to look through the Scriptures. But you'll see that that's, that's when they get in trouble. When the preachers are compromising, the prophets are not preaching the way they should. The politicians are corrupt. The people are complacent. If we do these four things, humble ourselves, pray, seek, turn, God promises to forgive us and heal our, heal, our, heal, our, heal our nation, heal our land. Listen to the rest of the verse. If you'll do these, these four things, then God says, I'll do three. Number one, I will hear from heaven. I will hear you. And by the way, he says in verse 15, and I'm going to be listening. Mine eyes are attentive and open and, and, and my ears are attentive. I'm listening. I'm watching. I'm listening. I want to hear you pray. Number two, I will forgive you. I will forgive your sin. I will heal your land. 
So what are we going to do? Let's make it personal. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? I, I've had to look at this and say, God, what am I going to do? I'm going to try to do these four things by the grace of God. What are you going to do? You might say, well, preacher, where do we even start? First Timothy 2, 1 to 2, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayer, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness, godliness and sincerity. Start by praying for our leaders. Doesn't matter if you like them or not, pray for them. Both sides of the aisle. Pray for the ones we like, pray for the ones we don't. Let's pray. Let's pray. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our church. Pray for our revival. Pray for ourselves. Pray for our families. Let's pray. I want to say one more thing before I finish. It has been said that faith is not putting a question mark where God puts a period. Many of you remember Janelle, our middle daughter. Janelle now is, uh, of course, has, has children of her own, and they're grown. Her oldest daughter just graduated from Pennsylvania Christian College with a master's degree, and, and her next son, second son, is at uh, Heartland Baptist College. And her third, her third child is 17. Her name is Mercy. And so last week I was spending some time with Mercy, and uh, they call me Poppy. Poppy's the, the right name for grand, grandparents, grandfathers. It's just... It's a, it's a biblical name. You, you check, the, check the Bible sometime. And so, uh, so she said, Poppy, I'm, I'm nervous about school. And I said, she's a senior now in high school. About college, I said, why, honey? She said, because I, I, I'm not sure I can afford it. I don't know where to go. I'm not sure where, I, where to go to school. And I said, well, sweetheart, you, you pray about it. And you talk to your parents and go where you believe God wants you to go. But I said, you don't need to worry about the money. Your grandmother. Would no, no, I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, honey, you don't need to worry about the, the money because God has promised he'll meet your need. I opened up our Bible. I looked at Philippians chapter 4, and I said, God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. And then I said to her, I said, Mercy, I want you to look at that verse. Did God put a question mark after that verse? Did God say, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Maybe. Or did he put a period? He put a period. I said, honey, don't, don't, don't put a question mark where God put a period. God said, I will. It's settled. Back in the 70s, we used to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, no, no. God said it, it's settled. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God said it, it's settled. Now look at 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and I'm done. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Do you see a question mark at the end of that verse? No. We see a period. Don't put a question mark where God put a period. God said, if you'll do it, I'll do it. It's settled. It's simply up to us to obey. Let's leave here tonight determined to obey God, to believe that if we do, he will do what he said. John 16, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We don't need to be angry. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to be fearful. We need to put a period where God put a period. And God said, If you'll do this, I'll forgive your sins. I'll heal your land. Let's do what God said. 
Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.